This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Homeland Security Department's Science and Technology Directorate is in the midst of a series of prize competitions. It's asking people to come up with ideas for helping communities deal with hazards thought to relate to climate change. The theme is resilience, and here from the directorate with details, the senior science advisor for resilience, David Alexander. Mr. Alexander, good to have you on. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. And the prize challenge program manager, Kathleen Kenyon. Ms. Kenyon, good to have you on. Thank you, Tom. Good to be here, too. All right. So, David, we'll start with you. What is the problem? Describe what it is the directorate is trying to get at here. Well, Tom, as you introduced, DHS just announced that it's starting a series of prize competitions on strengthening the nation's resilience to climate change and cascading impacts from disasters. Our first prize competition is really focused on finding climate-friendly solutions to extreme heat that can provide access to cooling for people in public and residential areas. We call this the Cooling Solutions Challenge, and we're looking to seek novel ways to protect those at risk of heat-related illness or death. Now, we've identified four key use cases in this challenge. The first is first responders and critical infrastructure service and those working outdoors. The second is individual households without a need for retrofit, meaning having to do remodeling on their homes. The third is group quarters, such as shelters or temporary shelters. And the fourth is outdoor use to support vulnerable populations and to better serve the homeless or other displaced individuals. And so when you say climate-friendly solutions, that means you just can't throw out 10 million air conditioners out there all running on AC power and using Freon, for example. Right. So we understand that there's existing solutions in the marketplace. However, what this challenge identifies is that, you know, during these types of events, particularly cascading events such as uh, hurricanes, you see a loss of power. So even though folks may have traditional cooling solutions like AC, during these events and loss of power, they lose access to those conventional solutions. And so we're looking at new innovations that not only can provide new market products, but also could provide resiliency, meaning giving people alternative means for cooling in addition to the solutions they may already have in place at affordable price points and that don't increase the carbon emissions or other toxic emissions and are low energy solutions. Got it. And this is something then that is a fairly widespread problem. I mean, it would seem like every summer, given the wildfires and what happens in some of the cities, this is something that's common, the need here. Yeah. So what is not necessarily well understood by the public is that while we put a lot of attention, as you mentioned, on hurricanes and wildfire, extreme heat seriously threatens communities across the country and, in fact, is the nation's leading cause of weather-related death. Partly it's due to the loss of electricity that I just mentioned that commonly occurs during disasters, as well as the effects of unseasonable hot temperatures and the vulnerability of people, particularly those working outdoors or those that just don't have access to cooling that I just mentioned, and them experiencing heat-related illness. So having access to new technology innovation helps us to address that large national concern. All right. And with respect to the Science and Technology Directorate, how come FEMA's not doing this? Or, you know, how does this come into the directorate as a place to conduct this challenge? So this challenge? is a great question. fact is that DHS S&T, we service all of our operating components and their core missions. 
And so FEMA is actually a partner with DHS S&T on this, as well as the Office of the Secretary of Homeland Security. So this is not S&T just striking out on its own. This is S&T collaborating with our key agencies, as well as working with a support organizations you know, to service needs that not only will benefit our federal agencies and resources, but also support our state and local communities as well as key partners like public utilities and and other infrastructure operators. All right. David Alexander is the Senior Science Advisor for Resilience in the Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate. And now we turn to Kathleen Kenyon. She's the Prize Challenge Program Manager. And tell us how this all works. What are the timelines here and how do people participate? Thanks, Tom. First off, prize competitions are a way that we can inspire those in the public, citizens, to really give us novel, innovative solutions. Uh, Prize challenges give us a lot of flexibility, and we really do seek to spark some creativity and also find some great ideas and solutions and even send a demand signal to those in the private sector that these are the types of things, when we do a prize competition, these are the types of things we're looking for. So this prize competition, it's really easy to submit your entry We are just looking for a great solution. Describe it. Tell us what it can do. Tell us how it meets the challenge description. And we're asking for either a short description white paper or a video submission. So it leaves a lot of latitude for those who are submitting an entry into the prize competition. Uh, Let me turn to the prize winning. So the prize winnings are for first prize, it's $50,000. For second prize, it's $20,000. And then we have some nominal prizes for like third and runner-up prizes. It's super easy to submit. We have two stages to the prize. The first deadline is December 7th, which we give people lots of time to think about what they want to submit and how they want to craft their submission. And then we'll have a stage one judging for their contest an award after stage one, up to 15 entries, $5,000. And then those will automatically advance to stage two. And that is a little bit more of a judging based upon the criteria that David described. And then we're looking at a roughly March timeframe to announce the winners. And those winners will be winning those $50,000 as well as the 20,000. All right. And do you anticipate mostly nonprofits, local community type groups, academics applying for these, or maybe some small businesses? I think all walks of life definitely can apply. We are definitely looking at academia, private sector, and those citizen inventors that have a great idea and are really innovative and have some great solutions. We've seen in the past that happened with prize challenges. This is our 10th one. And in the past, with a prize competition we did with U.S. Coast Guard, the prize winner actually was a recreational scuba diver that saw the prize challenge. He loved it. He had a great idea. He used some commercial off-the-shelf technology and created a solution for the Coast Guard that's working today. So those are the types of individuals you really want to inspire. So it's whether if you're a student or you're, you're a tinkerer, you like to be an innovator, or you're in a small business and you really want to apply for the challenge, please apply. We're looking to see your solution. And then there will be a mechanism for these solutions to become 
products, if that's what's indicated. Yeah, so one of the great things about prize challenges is that we're able to work with the finalists or the winners after the prize challenge in a mentoring capacity. We have great networks to accelerators and incubators and other partners that can help with mentoring and experts. And we also have great ways to connect them with like manufacturing partners that might be able to help them bring their technology or their solution to the commercial marketplace. Kathleen Kenyon is Prize Competition Program Manager at the Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate. Thanks so much for being with me. Thank you, Tom. And earlier we heard from David Alexander, the Senior Science Advisor for Resilience. David, good to have you. Thank you as well. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, 
We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual. And that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon. Um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own. But he would stop and he would focus on me. And he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up. Uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right. And you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. 
and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.